of the Michael M. Hotel. Today is Sunday, May 13th, 2018, and we are live tonight. It is Mother's Day, but we are live tonight. Too much to talk about to take the night off. We are live. 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. All right. Look, there's a lot going on. We've seen a lot of incidents of white people calling the police on African Americans this past week. That's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. White people keep calling the police on African Americans for no reason. Hashtag blackness is not, blackness is not a crime. Also, this past week, we saw that um, the daughter of um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Reverend Bernice King, has called for a, a boycott of the Waffle House after a latest uh, viral incident of a 22-year-old 22, 22 African American man who was uh, violently attacked, it appears, by a police officer, grabbed by his throat, choked by a police officer. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Then also, you may have seen the video we posted on our Facebook fan page. Now, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you need to follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network on Facebook, okay? Because we deal with these topics throughout the week. I post articles all throughout the day. I do videos, uh, uh, Facebook Live broadcast, things like this. Follow us on Facebook, The African History Network. You may have seen the video that went viral. I posted it on our Facebook fan page, and it's of uh, Representative uh, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters, and she was being scolded by a white uh, male Republican who told her, uh, stop talking about discrimination. And this involved a bill that uh, just recently passed the House of Representatives, and uh, this bill is uh, dealing with um, auto loans, okay? And, uh, and one of the things she was talking about, how, how it's going to negatively impact African Americans when it comes to auto loans. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm going to share that uh, excerpt of Maxine Waters on the House of Representatives floor. Uh, we'll share that with you as well. Um, Representative Maxine Waters checks GOP congressman who told her to stop talking about discrimination. Then this past week also, we saw the case out of California. And we saw Bob Marley's granddaughter, okay, and uh, uh, two of her friends, they were renting an Airbnb, okay, from a woman. And the police were called on her because a white female neighbor waved at them, and they didn't wave back. She got scared, thought they were stealing. They're coming out of the Airbnb with luggage, right? They thought they, they thought they were stealing. They called the police on them. Next thing you know, all these police cars show up. And uh, Bob Marley's granddaughter rips cops for racial, quote-unquote, racial profiling after robbery claim at California Airbnb. Okay, we're going to talk about this. This is a crazy, crazy story. One of her, uh, and she's um, one of the attorneys that's working on this case is uh, Benjamin Crump also, attorney Benjamin Crump. There was a press conference that was held this past week. Okay, it was... Um, I think May 10th or 11th, there was a press conference held uh, this past week that uh, dealt with this, okay? We're going to share excerpt of that press conference uh, with you as well, all right? Okay, and then also we saw uh, this past week, we saw the case of a 65-year-old grandmother, uh, Mama Campbell, 65-year-old grandmother dragged from her car by a white police officer. Another crazy, crazy story. That police officer has since resigned, Okay, this video has gone viral. So we see these constant attacks. We saw, um, uh, we posted on our Facebook fan page today, an uh, article from theroot.com, theroot.com. We see this uh, story uh, coming out of Wisconsin of a, of a white male police officer, 
who punches an African-American male teenager in the face, okay? He's punched in the face repeatedly, okay? And he's arrested, all right? And uh, there was an article from theroot.com uh, about this. White Wisconsin police officer caught on camera punching black teen in the face, okay? That's from uh, today, March 13, 2018, all right? The original Black Panther Party of Milwaukee has gotten involved. We're going to share an excerpt of that audio with you because they went to the police station after the uh, uh, arrest and uh, confronted the ranking police officer on what happened, okay? And they're calling for an economic boycott of the uh, Mayfair Mall in Wisconsin. Totally agree with that. Redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Somebody's been listening to me. Okay? We're going to play an excerpt of that for you also. See, I've been working all day pulling together the content for this show. You know, and I got, I got more, I have more topics to talk about than I have time to deal with. Okay? So tonight at midnight, I'll be on live Facebook. We're going to deal with some of these topics I can't get to. All right? We're going to do that also. Also... Today is Mother's Day, right? Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. But Mother's Day is spelled M-O-T-H-E-R apostrophe S. Not M-O-T-H-E-R-S. M-O-T-H-E-R apostrophe S. Possessive, meaning your mother. Not M-O-T-H-E-R-S, meaning plural. So we're going to deal with the history of Mother's Day and why the creator, why the creator of Mother's Day became an advocate against the holiday that she fought for. Crazy, crazy history dealing with the history of Mother's Day. Most people don't know this history. This is what we do here at the African History Network show. All right? So we'll deal with these topics. And also, I'm going to try to squeeze in this topic. Um, I, I know I'll deal with this at midnight. We'll try to squeeze in some of it here. It's dealing with Nick Cannon. So we posted the article on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network today, of uh, uh, Nick Cannon uh, was talking about slavery. And he said that uh, slavery... Uh, would not have slavery could have been avoided or would have been avoided if Europeans did not have the gun. Okay, now you know last week we had a historian on. So you have all these people talking about slavery's a choice, slavery's a choice, right? They're not citing historians. I heard some stuff about this. They ain't citing historians. You, you see, last week we had an actual historian on the show, one of my teachers, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, okay, who's in the Hidden Colors documentaries, we're in the Black Friday documentaries together. Right, he's in Out of Darkness from director uh, Amadeus Christ. Okay, we're in Elementary Genocide Part Three together from director uh, uh, Raheem Shabazz. Okay, shout out to director Rick Mathis from the Black Friday uh, documentaries. Okay, as well. So we had him on last week to deal with the history, some of the history of slavery. We also talked about some of the history of the Moors because you can't talk about the transatlantic slave trade till you understand the 800-year occupation of Europe by Africans known as the Moors. See, this is how a trained historian approaches this. They approach it chronologically. Some people try to approach it episodically. You can't approach the transatlantic slave trade episodically. You have to approach it chronologically. Those are two entirely different things, right? So we're, we're going to deal with uh, talk. I'm just going to try to squeeze this in dealing with uh, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon is partly correct, partly correct, okay? But once again, you have to understand the chronology of history. Nick Cannon blasted for saying uh, slavery could have been avoided without guns, all right? What a lot of people don't understand <laughs> is that Arabs were enslaving Africans going back to 7th century A.D. Arabs were enslaving Africans hundreds of years before the transatlantic slave trade started, before Europeans started. And Arabs were helping. Arabs were teaching also Europeans the slave trade. This, see, this is something a lot of people don't talk about. 
right? And Arabs were enslaving Africans before the gun was invented. Before the gun was invented. But the one of the reasons why you got to study the history of the Moors, right? And this is what I this is what I teach when I when I teach my online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It's because one of the things that the Moors introduced into Europe was something called a fire stick. And if you study Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay, who's one of the baddest scholars on the, histories of, on the history of the Moors, and he has an essay in the book, Golden Age of the Moor, edited by Dr. Ivan Van Sertema. If you read that book, you know what I'm talking about. You know Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay. We got video clips of him on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. If you know anything about the history of the Moors, you know that the Moors introduced something called a fire stick into Europe. And it was a long stick that fired a projectile. And it, was, and it had gunpowder in it. This is before the gun was invented, because the gun wasn't invented till 14th century A.D., about 1364. But if you understand the history of the Moors, the Moors introduced this into Europe, and Europeans are going to take this and create what we know as the gun. This is why you have to understand history chronologically and not episodically. This is what we do at the African History Network, okay? 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. All right, now, those on Facebook, our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, share this broadcast on your Facebook fan page. Tell everybody you know to tune in. You're not going to get this type of information in other places, okay? Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in as well. All right. Now, on the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with over and over and over again is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you read and heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the race of man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Some of you saw the Facebook post I did today. I sent a message to Spotify. Spotify has a new, so the streaming service, Spotify, right? Spotify has a new, um, they have a new hate content and uh, hate uh, action um, uh, policy, right? So this past week, Spotify pulled the uh, songs of R. Kelly from their playlists that they're promoting. Now, his, his music is still available on Spotify, but it's not on playlists that they are promoting, okay? And I went and read their new guidelines. They wrote it out May 10th, they got this, this past week, okay? So you have this whole uh, me, hashtag Me Too movement, and you got the Mute R. Kelly movement, right? So I sent a message to Spotify today because I had a very important question. Some of you read it on, on our Facebook fan page, my personal page, Michael M. Hotel, and my fan page, the African History Network. I said, hello, Spotify. I said, I had a question about your new hate content policy for your music, which was revealed on May 10th, 2018, because see, I went and read their policy, right? I said, surrounding the removal uh, the, the removal uh, of R. Kelly's music from your various playlists. I said, does this apply to some hip-hop music that calls African-Americans the N-word and talks about killing African-Americans? Does this apply to music like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj that call African-American women the B-word and H-word and all type of stuff like this? Does this apply to that music also? Is that considered hate music or is it just R. Kelly? Is that, is that the music that talks about killing African-Americans, is that also considered hate music, Spotify? I said, what action will be taken against said music? 
Thank you, Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show on 9, a.m. Superstation WFDF Detroit. I'm waiting on a response from Spotify. I want to know, okay? Because if, if they made music talking about killing white people, oh, it'd be a big problem. When Michael Jackson had his song in 1995, they don't really care about us. And he said some derogatory things that the, uh, the Anti-Defamation League said were derogatory to Jews. And it was only a couple lines in the song. Do you understand that Sony took every last one of those CDs off the shelf, removed those lines from the music, then put the, put the CD back on the shelf? But you got songs on Spotify, you got songs on Apple, talking about killing African Americans, calling us all type of derogatory terms, and that's all right. So I want to know from Spotify, I'm still waiting on a message. If you know any executives of Spotify, have, the, have them send me a message. Okay? Inbox me on Facebook, email me, info, info at africanhistorynetwork.com, info at africanhistorynetwork.com. Does this new policy, this hate content policy, does this apply to music that talks about killing African Americans? If not, why not? We're coming up on a break, 9, 10 a.m. the Superstation, WFDF, the Future Radio, Michael M. Hotel, the African History Network show, 313-778-7600. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, stand by, guys. We're on a two-minute break. Okay, hey, if you like this type of information, be sure to uh, register for the online courses that I teach. They're on demand. Um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Okay, and we have a... Uh, we have a 10-course bundle pack. It's on, it's on sale right now, $60, regularly $130. All right, and uh, that includes that one. That's a 14-hour, um, seven... You got to turn this off. No break. Joy It was, it was turned down. Okay. okay. Mrs. Wotiniak, one of the please. advisors. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be back from break in a minute here. Uh, this is a 14-hour, um, seven-session online course. We'll be back from break in one minute. So don't go anywhere. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? We're going to post this right here on the thread of our broadcast. And also you can go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well, okay? And uh, let me post the information for the show, for tonight's show here on the broadcast. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. So we got Muddy Ranks. Um... Tracy said, uh, why are we treated so bad in this country? Well, number one is because oftentimes you teach people how to treat you, right? So when, when we have been convinced that we are N-words and, and see, the, see, the, see negative corporate hip-hop plays a part in this because it conditions us to think that we are subhuman. It, it, it's, it's designed to terrorize our youth. And uh, not all hip-hop, but, but the negative corporate hip-hop. It's designed to terrorize our youth and to make them think that they are subhuman and to criminalize them and have them act accordingly. So then they are treated accordingly. Okay? It comes from people not understanding their history. Now, Maria said, is R. Kelly guilty of allegations? All right? Okay? It appears he is, but he, hadn't, but he hasn't been found guilty of allegations. Okay? So this brings into light another problem. Because uh, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull uh, R. Kelly's music off the playlist, are you gonna pull Tupac's music off the playlist? Because Tupac was convicted of sexual assault and he started a prison sentence February 14, 1995. Now you gonna pull Tupac's music off? Some
y'all were listening to Tupac today, Dear Mama. Tupac was convicted of sexual assault. R. Kelly wasn't convicted of anything, okay? I'm not saying R. Kelly's innocent. I'm saying I'm trying to understand this hate content. I'm trying to understand this hate content policy from Spotify. Eight seconds. Okay, we're coming back. Two, one. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, May 13th, 2018. We're alive tonight. It's Mother's Day. Last segment of the second hour, we're going to deal with the history of Mother's Day. We're going to deal with why the creator of Mother's Day became an advocate against it. Right before the break, I was talking about the message I sent to Spotify today, the um, streaming service that streams music, right? And uh, I was talking about their new hate content policy. And during the break, to those on Facebook, I was saying, okay, you know, um, if, 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 if R. Kelly's guilty, okay, of the allegations, then charges, charges should be filed, he should be prosecuted, and he should go to prison if the evidence bears that. Now, I know there was a trial some years ago. He was found not guilty, okay? Not going to rehash that. But see, my question is, if you pull R. Kelly's music off of the Spotify playlist, off of their sponsored playlist, are, are you then saying that people who have been convicted of sexual assault, the artists who have been convicted of sexual assault, are you going to pull their music also? I'm, I'm trying to understand this policy. So if that's the case, then you have to pull Tupac's music off of your sponsored playlist as well. Because Tupac was convicted of sexual assault in 1995 and went to prison. He went to prison for nine months. He started his prison sentence February 14th, 1995. Okay? Some of y'all were listening to Dear Mama today. Okay? So does that apply to Tupac? Does that apply to Mystical? Mystical went to prison for sexual assault. Does that apply to Tupac? I mean, does it apply to Mystical as well? All right? Does it just apply to uh, people who went to prison for sexual assault? Or does it apply to artists who went to prison, period? Okay? Okay, so does that mean that um, you have to pull the Godfather Soul James Brown's music from your sponsor playlist? Because James Brown went to prison. Not only did James Brown go to prison, Lauren Hill of the Fugees went to prison. Not only did Lauren Hill of the Fugees go to prison, but Lil Kim went to prison. Okay? Not only did Lil Kim go to prison, but Lil Wayne went to prison. Now you're going to pull all of them off your sponsor playlist, or is it just R. Kelly? I'm not saying he shouldn't be pulled. I'm saying I'm trying to figure out where the standard is. Because I read Spotify's hate content. I've read their new policy. I'm still confused. Where, where's the standard? That's what I want to know. Okay? All right. So that ain't even what I plan to talk about tonight. All right, look. So let's jump into this first story, right? White people keep calling the police on African Americans for no reason. Hashtag blackness is not a crime. Okay? Now... On the African History Network show, you know we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Okay? Um, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my information is there. You can register for my online courses. Uh, you can donate to the African History Network as well if you like this type of information also. Okay? That helps us to keep doing what we're doing, do the research, etc. All right? Pay the bills, etc. Okay, um, so Huffington Post Black Voices had this article from uh, May 11th, 2018. May 11th, 2018. We need to talk about white people calling the cops on people of color. We need to talk about white people calling the cops on people of color. Too often, white people call the police on people of color when it is unwarranted 
and such calls can end in undue violence, right? So we've seen all these cases um, just in the past couple of weeks, all right? We saw Starbucks uh, about, about April 14th, I think it was, uh, Starbucks in Philadelphia. We saw the case of um, uh, Bob Marley's granddaughter. We saw this in California, okay? And we see with not just that, but we also see these things captured on video, and we see uh, these run-ins with the police, even when um, it's somebody white who didn't call the police, okay? And I'm still trying to figure out what happened with the uh, incident today, the, the article that was posted today from uh, uh, the root.com. I'm still trying to figure out what happened uh, there, okay? I'm going to go to this clip here in just a minute. This is from uh, this is from this morning, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, Politics Nation, okay? Uh, living while black. Uh, living while black. Okay, we're gonna go to this clip here, uh, and we'll go to this clip here in just a minute here. Okay, all right. So, the past few weeks have seen a spate of or a spat of news stories, news stories uh, about white Americans calling the police on people of color who appear to be simply going about their lives, whether whether waiting at a Starbucks, golfing, attending a university tour. Okay. Uh, leave, uh, leaving an Airbnb, napping, or barbecuing. These incidents, these incidents, have sparked fierce debate about racism in the United States. In most of these cases, there was no apparent threat of harm, making it hard to avoid the conclusion that the people who called the police did so because of a conscious or unconscious belief that people of color simply don't belong or that they inherently pose a danger or a threat. Okay, now along with this, along with this, you have to look at the role the media plays, including local media, that continue to air stories of African Americans being perpetuators of crime, okay? And you know we've talked about the studies here on this show before that disproportionately show uh, how uh, local news uh, outlets disproportionately show uh, stories of African Americans being the perpetrator of crimes which are out of sync with their arrest rates. If you read the article from March 2015, March 2015 from thinkprogress.org, thinkprogress.org, it's called How News Outlets Convince You That Most Criminals Are Black. How News Outlets Convince You That Most Criminals Are Black, okay? People should check that out from thinkprogress.org. And that deals with a study that uh, was a nationwide study that uh, documents what I'm talking about, okay? All right, let's continue here. And then we'll go to this clip from uh, Politics Nation here in uh, just a minute. Okay, so ironically, the real danger in such encounters often comes from white Americans calling 911 on their neighbors of color effectively deploying the threat of violence as police interactions with black people in particular are disproportionately likely to end in excessive force of death. Now, may, uh, Oakland, California mayoral candidate Cat Brooks, C-A-T, Cat Brooks told KRON News this week, quote, when you engage law enforcement in these kinds of things, you are opening the door for things to go very wrong. When you engage law enforcement in these kinds of things, you are opening the door for things to go very long, very wrong. 
okay? And uh, Kat Brooks said this after a white woman called the police on African-American residents barbecuing in a local park. This is in the California area. In an area designated uh, only for non-charcoal grilling. You saw the article I posted on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, about this nonsense, right? And then, what did they do? In response to that, they had a huge cookout. We posted the article. And you had hundreds of African Americans out there having a cookout in defiance, right? In defiance. That's the spirit of defiance. That's like the protest that the Brazilians were having called uh, um, Pretoy Ros uh, Rosino, which means black stroll. And they were having these protests, Afro-Brazilians having these protests in white spaces. I talked about this when I talked about the black money movement that has been spurred in Brazil coming from the film Black Panther which is being shown in Brazil. You heard me talk about this. Okay, so I want to go to this clip here from Politics Nation. This is from this morning, Sunday, May 13th, 2018. And uh, Reverend Al Sharpton is talking about some of these cases that happened this past week. And, and turn up in here. Nation has been confronted with several viral stories in which black people, whether enjoying their leisure, making a home, or furthering their educations, found their lives in jeopardy because their very presence was a trigger in a predominantly white environment. This week, everyone was talking about the controversy at Yale University, where a black graduate student was forced to prove her enrollment to local police after a white student took issue with her falling asleep in a dormitory lounge. I know I don't need to remind you about the arrest last month of two black men at a Philadelphia Starbucks store or of a black woman exposed to the patrons at an Alabama Waffle House. Wait, there's more. A black former Obama staffer was questioned by police inside of an apartment building here in New York after a resident called the cops about loud noises and a presumed burglary. Of course, the noises in question were from him moving furniture into his own apartment. In Oakland, California, two black men barbecuing at a park were harassed by a white woman who complained that they were violating park rules and then called the police, allegedly adding some racial epithets to boot. Police squashed it but she maintains she was the victim. In the Los Angeles area, three black women, including a granddaughter of reggae icon Bob Marley, were checking out of their Airbnb when they were met with multiple police cars and a helicopter, according to their legal team. It is, they had failed to, to wave at an just unidentified yeah, neighbor who then called the cops concerned about a potential robbery. And in North Carolina, a black man got into a nonviolent argument with the staff at a, you guessed it, Waffle House restaurant after taking his little sister to a high school prom. Staff called the police and once on the scene, you can see that the man was choked and slammed to the concrete by an officer despite his hands being where else? Up 
In all the years I've been doing this, I've heard countless conservatives swear that I and other activists foment division, that we are all Americans in the eyes of the law. Of course, the law as they know it is all too often not the law as we know it. And black people have never been able to wield the law as the frightened, triggered people in these stories have, as an infantilizing force to reinforce who belongs where and what they should look like. So the next time you flip out because a black person is doing anything, anywhere, ask yourself, is it worth hearing this from me? I got you. Okay, so... <laughs> All right, so that's Reverend Al Shopping. That was from This Morning Politics Nation, MSNBC, uh, May 13, 2018. Okay, listen to Reverend Al Sharpton Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on 910 a.m. The Superstation, keeping it real with Reverend Al Sharpton. We'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. Call or hold the line. We'll come to you in just a minute, okay? 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so... Um, Cat Brooks, Oakland, California, mayoral candidate, said, uh, when you engage law enforcement in these kinds of things, you are opening the door for things to go very wrong, okay? Um, and he said that, uh, Cat Brooks said this after a white woman called the police on black residents barbecuing in a local park in the area designated only for non-charcoal grilling. Brooks cited, quote, the potential for arrests like in Philadelphia with those two black men or worse, physical assault or death. Quote, I don't believe in this day and age that white folks don't know that, okay, end quote. Now, Huffington Post spoke to two experts from grassroots anti-violence organizations, Oakland's Critical Resistance and uh, the Arab American Association of New York's Accompany Project, which hold workshops addressing the complications of calling police and educating people on when and when not to do so, when and when not to call police. In some cases, like those above, the solution would appear obvious," said uh, said uh, Kara Brown, uh, who does the Keep It uh, who does the Keep It podcast, uh, uh, who does the uh, and she said, "Mind your business, mind your business." She's a journalist. Uh, she put it on the Keep It podcast this week. But even in cases where the possibility of actual harm seems to exist, these experts suggest that Americans, particularly white people, challenge their immediate response and think twice before calling police, okay? And one thing Reverend Al Sharpton said, I, I, I'm not sure if it's in this clip. There was another clip. He was interviewed by Alex Witt today on MSNBC. It was in that clip, and I was trying to find it. I, I don't think they put it up on uh, MSNBC's website. Uh, it wasn't there when I left the office. But he said, um, he said, this comes out of racism. And he said, it, he said would, would, you, would white people, would you call the police if a white person was doing the same thing, you would call an African-American, uh, call the police for an African-American doing. If the answer is no, he's saying that's racism. Now, it's important for us to understand racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race, which comes out of the ideology of white supremacy. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race, which comes out of the ideology of white supremacy. And when we get to the story from uh, dealing with the three sisters in uh, California at the Airbnb, okay, it's, it's crazy why the white woman called the police on them. That's a crazy story right there. All these are crazy stories. But that's a really crazy story. Okay? 
All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to, uh, I think this is Olaf. Uh, hey, w welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Uh, tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, thank you, brother. This is uh, Olaf calling from Brian Detroit. Okay. I'm not trying to change the subject too much, but still basically on the same topic. Okay. What are your thoughts on um, this Detroit Lions um, coach, uh, Matt Patricia, and his uh, allegations of him uh, 22 years ago? Mm hmm being charged and arrested, indicted, and and um, um, sent to trial for rape allegations. The only reason why they didn't go to trial is because the alleged victim was too much, you know, uh, mostly uh, uh, agitated. She didn't want to go through a trial. Mm -hmm. It seems like a two-way street. This guy gets a pass. And the guy... He didn't even tell the Lions about his past. Don't you think that's something he should have told them? Um, I, well, here's the thing. If 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 he was, it, it depends upon. Uh, it depends upon what their disclosure agreement is like. It depends upon. Um, it depends upon what's required. Meaning that if they ask you a question like, "Have you ever been convicted of a crime?" That's different right. than that's that that's that's a different situation. Okay. So, so if they ask you, have you ever been convicted of a crime, then the answer, it sounds like in this case, would be no. Okay, so um, uh, so I, I don't know all the details in that. I've heard, a, I've heard a little bit about that case. I don't know all the details, but it depends upon, it depends upon what was asked as well okay if they if they ask a question like, have you ever had any run-ins with the law, that's a different question than have you ever been convicted right. of a crime. Like common sense would be like, you know, you go to an interview, and you know that, you know, 20-something years ago, man, you was almost on trial for rape, you and another friend of yours. You know, it seems like, especially as a head coach of an NFL franchise, it seems like something would tell you, man, you better, you know, say a little something about this because this could come out. Because this girl decides... You go with 60 minutes or outside the lines or, mm -hmm. uh, or whatever have you, this could be damning for Detroit Lions. I mean, well, 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 a guy like this, well, here's the thing. Is this, is, is, is this, uh, well, this is a white guy. So, uh, Me Too yes. is kind of, Me Too is kind of slow when it's a white male. See, Me Too. Oh no 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 no! See, what, this, this, he's black, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> me too. Yes, me too is kind of slow on white males. Okay. Yes, now sir. now 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 here's the thing, and and and, and, I, and I gotta move on. Um, yes, sir. If 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 was, was this his first coaching job, not head coaching job, but first coaching job in the NFL? Well, he was he was assistant coach now, doing the Patriots. Okay, so so I would I would want to know did this come up with the New England New England Patriots? You know it didn't. No, they, New England Patriots came out for press release saying they never knew about it. Okay. They never told them. They never knew anything about it. So, so see, it depends upon what type of clause is in their is in their contract. If it's a clause saying that you know we need to know about anything that any like run-ins with the law, things like that. See, it depends upon it depends upon the questions asked. I wouldn't volunteer information like that. I wouldn't volunteer information like that. But it, 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 it depends upon what was asked. If, it, it, if they ask, have you ever been convicted of a crime, that's different than have you ever had any run-ins with the law, okay? But I got I to gotta move on, man. Thanks, thanks for calling. Keep listening. Okay, so um, 
Let's go back to this uh, article here from Huffington Post, Black Voices. We need to talk about white people calling the cops on people of color. We need to talk about uh, white people calling the cops on uh, people of color, okay? And then I want to go to, uh, I want to go to this clip here of, um, I want to jump into this story dealing with um, uh, Bob Marley's uh, granddaughter as well, because this is a crazy, crazy story here uh, also, all right? Okay, so uh, Huffington Post spoke to two experts from grassroots anti-violence organizations, Oakland, uh, Oakland's Critical Resistance and the Arab Association, Arab American Association of New York's Accompany Project, which hold workshops addressing the complications of calling police and educating people on when and when not to do so, all right? Uh, but even in cases where the possibility of actual harm seems to exist, these experts suggest that Americans, particularly white people, challenge their immediate response and think twice before calling the police. Quote, on the face of it, people need, uh, people need to not call uh, the police when it's merely just the presence of people of color in a public place. That's just obvious, said Mohammed Sheikh, uh, a spokesman for Critical Resistance, which provides trainings on alternatives to policing. Okay? But he went on to say, quote, but further, but further people need to think about in situations that actually need to be addressed, what are police going to do? What are police going to do? Okay? Um, and is there a way that someone else could do uh, what, what would be beneficial in this situation? Okay? Is there a way that someone else could do what would be, uh, someone else could do what would be beneficial in this situation? All right, uh, calling number 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment, okay? I'm going to go to um, this other story here in just a minute here. Uh, now, many Americans, uh, white in particular, have been socialized to think of police as providing safety, so, uh, providing safety social worker Rachel Blum Levy who was white, told Huffington Post. Many Americans, white Americans in particular, have been socialized to think of police as providing safety. As a community organizer and facilitator with the Accompany Project, she leads, quote, bystander trainings, end quote, to teach New Yorkers how to intervene in situations of potential violence, particularly against Arab or Muslim people, and help de-escalate the situation. The trainings, one of which Huffington Post attended last year, 2017, challenged uh, participants to check their bases around race and policing. The group goes over the potential risks, potential risks of engaging police, especially in cases involving people of color or undocumented people. And uh, uh, check out the article. We've talked about this a number of times here on the show. Uh, it goes back to December 13, 2017. News media offers consistently warped portrayals of black families study finds. News media offers consistently warped portrayals of black families study finds. So this was a study that came out December of 2017, a joint study from colorchange.org, colorchange.org, and um, there was one other organization uh, involved in this study uh, as well, okay? And uh, this looked at how 
the news media continues to uh, portray African Americans as being, uh, according to the report, let's see, uh, major media outlets routinely present a distorted picture of black families, portraying them as dependent and dysfunctional, while white families are more likely to be depicted as sources of stability. Um, this leaves people with the opinion that black people are plagued with self-imposed dysfunction that creates family instability and therefore all their problems. This, this, this self-imposed dysfunction is the root of, black, of all black people's problems. This is, this is the type of imagery and message that people get from the media, especially from Fox News. Okay, Such stereotypes fuel political rhetoric and inform public policy. Such stereotypes fuel political rhetoric and inform public policy, such as Congress's consideration to quote-unquote gut social safety net programs. Okay, this is something Paul Ryan is pushing. This is something Republicans are pushing. We're going to see this when we get to the clip uh, from uh, uh, of Maxine Rodgers on, on the uh, House of Representatives floor, okay, talking about discrimination, and you have this white, white male Republican trying to shut her down. Okay, talking about we work every day to make America great again, and we need to stop talking about discrimination. Really? That, you, you think stop talking about discrimination is going to make discrimination go away. Stricter work requirements, drug testing, and other welfare restrictions are likely to be supported by a public exposed to inaccurate portrayals of black families, the report said. So see, now you see them talking about, on a national level, pushing uh, uh, drug pushing number one work requirements, work requirements for Medicaid, and seventy percent of the people on Medicaid already have jobs. They want to push work requirements for welfare. About seventy percent of people on welfare already have jobs. They're called the working poor. Okay, but you have this pathology presented. You have a demonization of poor people, and you have a demonization of African Americans as well. And then if you look at negative. Uh, negative corporate control hip hop, you see a uh, reinforcement of these negative stereotypes, a reinforcement of promoting a criminalization, a promoting of the dehumanization of African Americans in some of this music. Not all hip hop, but you know the ones I'm talking about. Okay? I want to see if Spotify is going to classify that as hate speech. Music that's talking about killing black people, is that going to be classified as hate speech, Spotify? Music that calls African Americans the N word and B's and H's and all this stuff? Is Cardi B's music going to be classified as hate speech, or is that, just, is, is that okay? Is Nicki Minaj's music going to be classified as hate speech? You know, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj had, an, had a, a song a few years ago. She had a video. I think it was called uh, Only One or Only You or something like this. Uh, YourBlackWorld.net has an article about this. In the video, she had a symbol that, looked, that was similar to a Nazi swastika, Okay. Now, I know the Nazi swastika comes from the Gramadan. The Gramadan is an ancient Kemetic symbol. I know all about that. I know Adolf Hitler studied uh, ancient North African philosophy, and I know that Führer, which was his title in German, means Pharaoh. I, I understand all that history, but I ain't talking about that. I, I understand all that. Okay? And I know the Aryans were named after Bishop Arius a Hippo, and these Aryans were named after an African man. These, these white... Aryans out here, these white supremacists call themselves Aryans. That was named after Bishop Arius a Hippo, who did not go to the First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD because he found out he was going to be assassinated. I, I understand that history, but it, it, we're not talking about that. So, um, what you have is you have, uh, we're going to get to this clip here in just a minute. We're coming up on the break. I'm going to start this clip before the break. So, 
you have these images that are, uh, are consistently repeated, and it calls people to form a consensus. It calls people to form a consensus. So when you have Donald Trump, a white supremacist like Donald Trump, who continues to attack Chicago, and instead of saying, okay, what type of resources do you need in Chicago? What type of funding do you need for education? What type of funding do you need for job programs? Things like this. His solution is to send more police to Chicago. But his solution to deal with the opioid crisis is not to send more police in the white communities that have been devastated by the opioid crisis. See, he takes a humane uh, approach to that, the opioid crisis, but he takes a law enforcement, a law and order approach when it comes to African Americans. All right, so let's go to this computer. So this is from um, May, uh, I think this was May 11th, the uh, uh, press conference that was held. Denisha Prendergast is the um, granddaughter of Bob Marley. This was a press conference held with her and uh, the other sisters and, and their attorneys uh, regarding the incident in California. Let's go to this clip. Should be playing. Let's see, hold on. The solution has been televised, right? Why don't we just do it at the end then? Okay. And I'll just keep going now. <laughs> the revolution has been televised, right? Um, so, so most importantly, there was an individual that placed this racist call with false allegations to the Rialto Police Department on April 30th, and we want her held accountable. Under the laws of the state of California and the laws of most states throughout this nation, if a person places a false or misleading call to law enforcement, they can be held criminally liable for endangering the lives of others. And, and that's one of the most important things that we want to see is the Rialto Police Department to open a criminal investigation into the neighbor that placed a call that day, racially motivated call, with misleading and false allegations that led to the constitutional the, uh, violation of the constitutional rights of Donisha, Comey, and Kelly. Individuals need to be held accountable too. Um, as many of you probably know, Attorney Benjamin Crump and I both worked and on the Trayvon Martin case and represented the family of Trayvon Martin. And when I heard the neighbor refer to Comey and Donisha and Kelly as suspicious, what I heard is the same thing that made them suspicious to her, to this neighbor, is the same thing that made Trayvon Martin suspicious to George Zimmerman. And that's the color of their skin. And my position has only been strengthened from the time that this neighbor, that the homeowner went to a press conference and said that the three people behind us could have avoided this entire situation if not only had they waved to her neighbor to put her at ease, but they also needed to smile at her neighbor. Now I can tell you, every one of them, Danisha, Comey, Kelly, they smile all the time. They smile when they feel love, they smile when they feel happiness. But they have a right not to smile. They have a right not to smile on command at the behest of a white woman who would choose to place a racist call and endanger their lives and violate their constitutional rights because they didn't smile at her that day. We don't want to live in an America where black people are forced to smile at white people to preserve their lives. Well, I'll make a few comments later, but next I want to turn over the microphone to Danisha Prendergast so she can share her experience and her story with you. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Yeah, greetings. My name is Denisha Pranagast. 
and I'm representing today with for the voices of okay. the ones who are unable to tell their story. Okay, we're going to break it right here. We're going to continue on the other side of the break. Also, now this is from the press conference that took place this past week. I think this was May 11th. This is from the press conference. This is Denisha uh, Prendergast, Prendergast, granddaughter of Bob Marley. Also, I'm going to let you hear the uh, woman who they rented the Airbnb from and what she said at a press conference and the stupid reason why uh, the white neighbor, white female neighbor, called the police on these three uh, African-American women. 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio, Michael M. Hotel, the African History Network show. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, stand by, guys. We'll be back in a couple minutes here. All right, how's everybody doing? All right. Hey, the call-in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600, Okay. Is the call in number. We're going to post it here. You're not going to hear this type of information in other places, most other places. 313-778-7600. Okay, if you like this type of information, who we have on here? Uh, we've got uh, Oludurare. I was trembling watching the video. Video. Okay, that's a Yoruba name. Olu is in reference to Oludumare, which is the uh, supreme force or god in the Yoruba religion of Ifa. So that's a Yoruba name. Where are you from, Olu? Tracy Phelps said it's a damn shame what the police officers did to that old lady. So that's Mama Campbell. So we we broadcasted the um the um we broadcasted the press conference that elected officials and her attorney had uh, earlier this week. That's here on our fan page, the African History Network. Melvin said Europeans have been, as the kids say today, swagger jacking since knowing about what our people been bringing to the world. Uh, we are being informed to make a collective decision, said Oluduari. Uh, yeah, they have an upside-down understanding of human history, have a strategic plan for the answer, Michelle Greer said. I think white people are jealous of African Americans. We don't crack and we uh, are strong as an ox, have a sense of style. Okay, so let's see here. So we got another clip coming up. Uh, what is this other clip? Okay, here we go. We'll go with this one here. We'll bring this up. Okay. I'll be right. Uh, it's Azaray, right? What's your name? Mine is Courtney. Courtney. Oh, Courtney. Okay, that's right. Courtney. Okay, I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay. Um, we're going to go to this other clip also. Call in number 313-778-7600. Brother Kabaka Reynolds in Detroit. Hotel Brother M. Hotel. Peace to the family. Checking in. Olu said, yes, we dance with God. Adam, every seven years. I'm Yoruba. Yeah. I can tell your name is a Yoruba name, Olu. I'm very familiar with Ifa, Obatala, Shango, Yemenya, the Orishas. Not Orishas, but Orishas. So I'm very, I'm very familiar with that. And the Yoruba originally come from ancient Kemet, just like the Dogon. The Dogon, the Mali, and Burkina Faso originally come from ancient Kemet. Hey, if you all like this type of information, be sure to register for the online courses that I teach. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And there are some other courses. We have a bundle pack. You get all of them together for $60. They're all on demand. They're all on demand. We'll post the link right here. All on demand. Okay, I'll be right back. Oh, you need some time? It's like 15 seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me a couple minutes. Okay. Be right back.
Alright. Alright, I'm back. Alright, share this broadcast on Facebook. Okay. How much, how much time before we come back? 25, 27. 27 seconds? Yes. Okay, we got Angela Flood Williams. Hey, also, we have the Black Panther Bundle Pack. The 8 DVD Black Panther Bundle Pack. 15 seconds. At our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. 10 seconds. Okay. <clears throat> I'll post the link here. 4, 3, Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, it is Sunday, May 13, 2018. It's Mother's Day, all right? And uh, in the uh, last segment of the show, we're going to deal with the history of Mother's Day also, the history of Mother's Day, okay? Uh, but right now, we're dealing with uh, the, the, the topic of White people keep calling police on African Americans. White people keep calling police on African Americans for no reason. White people keep calling police on African Americans for no reason. Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in as well. Uh, we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, okay? If you like this type of information, uh, you want to support The African History Network, you can donate uh, to The African History Network and The African History Network show. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, also, you can go to uh, our PayPal link is PayPal.me. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show stands for the African History Network show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, and also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, we have uh, all of my DVD lectures there. We have the eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack. The eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack, where you get. Uh, Three documentaries, including 1804, dealing with the history of the Haitian Revolution, and uh, Elementary Genocide Part 3, Black Friday Part 2. I'm in those two documentaries, along with uh, Professor Kava Kamene and uh, a lot of other people as well, Professor James Small. And then you get uh, two of my presentations dealing with the film Black Panther and uh, three other presentations as well. That's on sale right now, $80, regularly $130, the 8-DVD Black Panther Bundle Pack, available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, we have uh, my uh, lecture, The Black Panther Analysis, African Culture and History and Afrofuturism. That's on uh, digital download. Just made that available on digital download uh, a couple days ago, okay, as well. All right. So I want to go back to this clip here, then we'll go to the phone line. So uh, William, just hold the line. We'll come to you in just a minute. Uh, I want to go back uh, to this clip here. This is dealing with the crazy case coming out of California. Um Bob Marley's granddaughter, Denisha Prendergast, Denisha Prendergast, okay, and um, she and, and two of her friends were uh, stopped by police. They were staying at an Airbnb. Those that don't know, you can, uh, that's renting someone's house. Instead of a hotel, they do an Airbnb, right? It's a service where you can uh, rent people's houses. Uh, instead of going to a hotel, oftentimes it's a lot cheaper. And the police were called on them. A, a white neighbor felt threatened by these, by these African Americans coming out of the house with suitcases, thought they were stealing, and called the police on them. Next thing you know, all these police cars show up. This is, so this is from the press conference that took place on uh, May 11th, 2018. Let's go back to this clip. That doesn't even belong to any one of us who is standing here in this circle this morning. 
morning we got a call from the Métis. This morning we got a message. We got a message from the Métis people to say that they stand with us in this fight. And I think that is very important to note because my ancestors were brought here on ships as slaves. And still today, we reflect on that memory. Tomorrow makes 37 years since my grandfather transitioned from this physical plane. And the messages that he was speaking from that time are still so relevant today and into tomorrow. We don't need no more trouble. What we need is love. We're still weeping for the living and we're still weeping for the dead. We're weeping for the struggle. I am not a fighter. This is Harlem, y'all. <laughs> it's real life, right? Can y'all hear on Every Facebook? Day. It's an honor to be standing here in the heart of where many of the movements that I revere was born. I was born in privilege. I grew up in privilege. And I think what those police officers from Rialto met a few days ago, white privilege met upon black privilege. And it, they didn't really know how to deal with it. And when I say black privilege, I'm not talking about the black privilege that you would think that the Marley name carries. I'm talking about the black privilege of me. I come from a line of kings and queens beyond this time, which is what I want to remind the people of today. Representation is important. Representation is important. And I don't look like many people would want me to be. But the reality is, we are not as different as we think we are. And we have to continue to create safe spaces for everyone to understand that. Blood, black and white, we bleed the same color. What happened on that day, Monday the 30th of April, was wrong. Just because I am here living to tell this story doesn't make it any more right. Just because I wasn't bound and handcuffed against the ground, my blood is not running in the streets, doesn't make it any less violent. What happened to all of us is indignity. There was no respect and no honor. One love is a song that the world loves to sing. But what I am challenging the world right now to do is make one love into an action. Because one love is action. The number one is not a singular number, it is collective. So let us see in these moments, we can find the grace and the space. Is that the same level you had it at in here before the break? Because what happened is that I almost died. Yeah, okay. Because somebody was afraid of me. But I'm not afraid of you. I just want to love. Denisha, before you go up, Denisha, can you tell us how important this evening? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pause it right there. Um, now you can watch this uh, full press conference because this press conference is about forty minutes or thirty-seven minutes, so about forty minutes on time to get through the whole press conference. This is at uh, going going-natural.com. Going 
Hyphenatural.com, Denisha uh, Prendergast, Bob Marley's granddaughter at the press conference about being racially profiled outside of their California Airbnb. Okay, um, so you can uh, you can Google that also. Um, Google that and it'll come up as well. You can watch the entire press conference. Okay, now the um, I want to this this clip here is about a minute and thirty seconds or so. Then we'll go to the phone lines. We'll go to William. Then we go to Tony. So guys, hold the line. All right. So this is from the root.com, The root.com. White woman calls police on Bob Marley's granddaughter after she didn't smile. Now the filmmaker wants justice, okay? So this is from uh, yesterday, May 12, 2018. May 12, 2018. They put together, this is about a one-minute, 30-second montage, okay, uh, of, of, of excerpts from the press conference. And then at the end, you're going to hear Marie Rodriguez. Marie Rodriguez is the woman who owned the home that they rented, okay? She's the Airbnb uh, uh, renter, okay? She owns the home. And she's going to explain why the white female neighbor, why the white female neighbor called the police on these sisters. Let's go to this clip. Just because I was involved and handcuffed against the broad ground, my blood is not running in the streets, doesn't make it any less violent. What happens to all of us is indignity. So that is from uh, theroot.com. They put this together. So the woman, the last voice you heard, that was uh, Marie Rodriguez. See, now this is why so many African Americans are pissed off, right? Because the scared white people call the police on African Americans for something stupid. So y'all thought I was making this up when I said, oh, they, the police were called. And, and when the attorney said the police were called because they didn't smile and wave at a white neighbor who waved at them. Now, that's why the police was called. That's why the police were called. And here is the owner of the home admitting it. Here's the owner of the home, Marie Rodriguez, admitting it. Ch check out this clip from theroot.com, R-O-O-T.com, theroot.com. White woman calls police on Bob Marley's granddaughter after she didn't smile. Now the filmmaker wants justice. Now, I've only used Airbnb once, and I wasn't the one paying for it. I was going out of town. Working at another radio state, well, I wasn't getting paid, but that sounds familiar too. But anyway, <laughs> I was on another radio station. <laughs> I was doing national radio. We were going to the Congressional Black Caucus uh, weekend, right, in Washington, D.C. So the station owner got an Airbnb for everybody, and it was one, it was one bedroom. Long story. 
Okay, that's the only time I use Airbnb. I stay at hotels. I ain't doing no, I'm not doing the Airbnb. Okay, what happens if that house that you're staying at is under surveillance by the police because they were selling drugs in that house and you don't know it? What happens when somebody comes and knocks at that house looking for somebody that owes them money? Or somebody's baby daddy or baby mama, whatever, comes to that house. See, that's why I don't mess with Airbnbs, right? <laughs> I, I, I stay at hotels. I don't mess with Airbnbs. You can do it if you want to, okay? <laughs> I don't do that. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to William, line one. Hey, William, thank, thanks for holding. Uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, William. I'd like to comment on the Moors. I was exposed to them at 19, but I want to move forward. I want your thinking on this broad concept. I know it's not specific to the police. Yes, sir. But I look upon the police in this country as the militia whose responsibility is to keep those in check at the base of the pyramid so they do not threaten the plutocrats' wealth. What do you think? Uh, give me an example. For instance, you take a pyramid, the base of the people down in the lower socioeconomic level, mm -hmm. at the socioeconomic level. We know that the police is to protect, quote-unquote, folks, provide safety. But I'm going further, broad-wise, and I'm saying the police is a militia that has been constructed in this country to keep those at the base of the pyramid at the lower socioeconomic levels so they don't threaten those of wealth at the uh, top of the pyramid. Okay. Now, it can't, I, I know it's specific, you can't do it, but I'm talking about broadly. Mm -hmm. That's the concept because those that are in wealth, the plutocrats, mm -hmm. they don't want a threat to their plutocratic status. Right. Okay. All right. So I'm, sta I'm stating it broadly, and I know specifically it's not always true, but broadly, this is the way I see our police system in this country. Okay. All right. Thanks. I want to know what you thought about it. No problem. Thanks for your call, William. Keep listening. Okay. So, so partly correct. So if we look at the history of the modern-day police department, we know it has its origins coming out of the slave patrols. Okay. Now, this is not an indictment of all police. All right. I think we need law enforcement. Okay. I think we, we need law enforcement but we need them to protect and serve the community as opposed to occupy and racial profile, okay? So you have approximately 800,000 law enforcement officers in the country. You have approximately 18,500 police departments. So I'm not talking about all police. I'm not talking about all police departments, but we see that there is definitely a problem and that problem needs to be corrected. So if we, if we look at the fact that the police chief in most cities, right, is appointed by the mayor. The police chief in most cities is appointed by the mayor. The mayor is elected by the people, but the mayor sets the tone for policing in the city, okay? If we look at the city council, usually the city council uh, controls the budget of the police department, especially in most major cities. Detroit is one where that's, where that's true, okay? So the the tone for policing is set by politicians, all right? And when you, don't, when you don't adequately utilize your vote to get out and vote these jackasses out of office, when you don't leverage your dollars to enforce your vote, 
Okay? You're going to get what you get. So then, when something jumps off and the police kill someone who's mentally ill because the mental, because the mental hospitals have been shut down because of government cutbacks from the governor, like ha what happened here in, the, uh, in Michigan years ago with Governor England, Republican governor, who's now at the Michigan State University. Okay? So then when something jumps off and a police officer kills a mentally ill person because the funding for mental hospitals has been cut. They haven't had training on how to deal with mental, mentally ill people, which is, which is largely true, and how to recognize the different types of mental illnesses. They end up killing somebody. Then some of the same politicians who were involved in cutting the budget or advocated for cutting the budget then want to grandstand Right? And then ridicule the police department. Well, wait a second. You help create that environment. Because the, the tone for policing is set largely by mayors and city councils. Okay? Then you have sheriffs. All right? The tone for policing for the sheriff, largely, uh, to a large extent, set by the county executives and the county commissioners. When it comes to state police, the tone for policing in the state is largely set by the governor and largely set by the um, state legislature. Okay? So, the, so we have to understand that, that the police departments and law enforcement largely enforce the laws. First of all, the laws they're enforcing are made, the, the police don't make, the police don't make the laws largely. They enforce the laws. Who makes the law? Lawmakers. Okay? So when you have people saying, look, you also need to vote for state legislature, not just president, but state legislature. This is what they're talking about. The, the, the laws that state police enforce are largely passed by state legislatures. And they're signed into law by governors. C city ordinances that police enforce are largely passed by city council. Okay. All right. And then so you so so you so you have to understand the relationship between elected officials and law enforcement, the laws that they are enforcing. Police usually don't make laws It's lawmakers who make laws. OK, so this is this this some truth to uh, this some truth to what he was saying. OK, we're coming up on a break. When we come back, we'll go to Tony. Then um, uh, we're going to uh, get to some of these other topics also. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Representative Maxine Waters, Czech's GOP congressman, who told her to stop talking about discrimination. Um, we'll try to get to a little bit. A uh, 65-year-old black grandmother's dragged from a car by white police officers. And then we'll also deal with why the creator of Mother's Day became an advocate against Mother's Day. Listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. The Future Radio, Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, stand by. All right. Hey, Alexander, you need to study, study, study large municipalities. A lot of times the mayors do have an intricate knowledge of what uh, the police do and the, the, the tone for policing is set by the mayors and city councils. The tone for policing is set by the mayors and city councils. Look at Baltimore, 
The tone for policing is set by mayors and city councils. See, 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 this is see, this is the mistake that people make, because the the police, the police chief, in most cities, especially large cities like Detroit, that police chief is appointed by the mayor. So when you sit at home and don't vote for mayor, then you got a police chief that is um, that does not focus on rooting out uh, rogue officers in the police department, okay? You have a mayor who allows that to continue. The, the tone for policing is set by, the tone for policing is set by uh, the uh, politicians in that city. This is, this is the mistake people make. Police chiefs don't elect themselves. Police chiefs are nominated by the mayor usually. So when you sit at home and don't vote for mayor, just like in Chicago, when mayor when when you had the runoff between Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Jesus Chuy Garcia, we had the primary, not the runoff, but the primary. You had seven thousand African Americans registered to vote, and uh, you had seven hundred thousand African Americans registered to vote in Chicago. Only 150,000 voted in the primary. They had to vote to vote Mayor Rahm Emanuel out of office, and they didn't do it. They, but then, when the Laquan McDonald videotape came out, now they're all out in the street demanding that Mayor, Mayor Rahm Emanuel resign. Well, you had the votes to vote him out of office. And I was doing national radio at the time on the Apartment Radio Network. I was on five days a week. I was on Roland Martin's national radio show. I used to guest host his show. I was telling people in Chicago, look, you need to vote this guy out of office. Okay? They didn't do it. Mayor Rahm Emanuel said, I'm not going anywhere. He's still in office. He's still in office to this day. So, see, people don't understand politics. See, this is why I'm, I'm on the board of Grits and Politics here in Detroit. Because we bring elected officials who are running for office in front of us and we grill them. Okay? That's why I'm on the board of Grits and Politics. All right? Because I, I understand the intersection. I understand the intersection of, of, of politics and the quality of life. And also, we don't understand how, the, how, the, uh, how policing is dictated largely by elected officials. We don't understand that. All right, Lorinda said, uh, like in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wilmington, Delaware. A lot of these large cities, the, 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 the chief of police is an appointee of the mayor. Six seconds. Okay. All right, everybody register for the online courses that I teach. They're all on demand. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Okay. You ready? Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Hey, if you want to advertise on the African History Network show, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. If you want to advertise with the uh, African History Network and on the African History Network show, okay, we reach thousands of people uh, on a weekly basis. Info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, all right. Uh, also, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can read all of my articles there. You can listen to audio podcasts of our radio shows. So last week's show, I had Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene on. 
uh, one of my teachers, and we dealt with um, uh, Kanye West's comments about slavery. We dealt with the transatlantic slave trade. We dealt with some of the history of the Moors, things like that. That's all on audio podcast at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's also on our iTunes channel, the African History Network show on iTunes, the African History Network show on iTunes, okay? All right, um, and then we have the 8-DVD Black Panther Bundle Pack at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can order that also. That's uh, still on sale um, for a limited time only, on sale $80. And you can donate to the African History Network, PayPal.me, PayPal.me, forward slash the AHN Show, PayPal.me, uh, forward slash the AHN Show as well. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Tony. Line two, a Tony. Welcome to the After History Network. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Uh, Northwest Detroit. Hi, hi Michael. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. You know, uh, these so-called microaggressions mm-hmm. escalated into uh, you're gonna call the police for someone sleeping in a dorm um, common area. Right. You're gonna call the police <laughs> because someone is didn't smile at you and waved. Absolutely. That's crazy. Absolutely. That is blatant. And that is racist. But but if you look at a history... It's not microaggression anymore. Yeah, but if you look at a history of lynchings, and and you study, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, you study study the the lynching museum, the memorial that's in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, that documents 4,400 lynchings from about 1877 to 1950. They talk about the trivial reasons why African Americans, most of them African American men, were lynched. And it could be for something as trivial as not properly speaking to a white person, okay? Following behind a white man's wife or some of all types of crazy things. They were killed for this. And so we see the. Um we see the uh, different um, microaggressions that have escalated in. Look, you call the police on somebody, that could mean that black person loses their life for your dumb... Behind, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know what I want to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Michael, did you... Um, did you see that uh, Childish uh, Gambino, This Is America? Yeah, I saw some of the video. Go ahead, what about it? Did you know that the guitar player um, in the beginning is Trayvon Martin's brother? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I just wanted to throw it out so, uh, out of sidebar. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's getting really ridiculous that people feel that they are entitled mm-hmm. to call the police for BS. Was no, you would never, they would never, uh, a barbecue, oh, wow. Right, exactly. To charcoal, we're in open air. Exactly, exactly. So we posted that article on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. A lot of this stuff we've been dealing with, so you got to follow us on Facebook, the African History Network, because I, I, I deal with these, uh, I deal with these topics on a daily basis, and uh, you're talking about the case out of um, uh, California, where uh, a white woman called the uh, police on uh, some African Americans who were barbecuing. They were using a charcoal grill in an area that was for non-charcoal, and she calls the police on them. Okay, police show up. They didn't arrest anybody. They're like, "Why'd you call us?" All right. Then she starts crying and starts playing the victim. Okay. Crying. She starts crying and playing the victim. Crying crap. Yeah, she starts crying and playing the victim. 
Okay? Well, you're the one that called them. You're the one that called the police. All right? And uh, <laughs> it's the most mundane crap in the whole world. Don't you have something better to do? Do you have a well, wife? But, but see, here's the thing. See, a lot of some white people, not all of them, but some white people feel emboldened by this white supremacist president who has remained yeah. silent on all this stuff. He's remained, yeah. he, Trump has remained silent the on hero, this. The hero who saved uh, the people at the Waffle House. Well, he hasn't said anything about that. Yeah. He hasn't said anything about that because, because he disarmed, because James Shaw Jr. disarmed a white man who killed some African-Americans. Trump is silent on that. Notice this. Trump has, hasn't said anything about it. Now, now, it is true Sarah Huckabee Sanders from the White House podium commented on it and said, you know, th th these were Trump's comments, but we haven't heard anything from Trump directly. We've heard, we've heard Trump talk about over 430 different subjects on Twitter. This was documented on MSNBC over over 430 over 430 different subjects on Twitter. He's commented on, but he hasn't commented on this. Okay, see, I told people what would happen. Hold on, just a second. Hold on, just, hold on just a second, Tony. I told people what would happen if Trump became president. I told you he would embolden white supremacists. People didn't want to listen. Go ahead, go ahead with your last thoughts. You said it. You said it. I'm just saying that. I want to say that don't be surprised by anything that happens with uh, Caucasians and how they they are being microaggressive on the um, roadways and stores mm -hmm. everywhere. It's like it's an incident after in incident. Absolutely. I'm just saying, make sure you got your cell phone uh, charged. Right. And, and, I like when we document these things. Absolutely. That's the only way we can... Document it, it expose it, expose this stuff on social media, because social media is influencing the stories that are covered by local media and national media. Okay, thanks for calling, Tony. Keep listening. Uh, social media is influencing the stories uh, 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 covered by uh, local media and national media, one. Two, there are more and more calls for economic boycotts of certain establishments like the Waffle House. We'll get to that story in just a minute here. So uh, the story that Tony was talking about uh, is out of uh, Oakland, California area. And uh, there's an article from theroot.com that deals with this. Hashtag cooking out while black. Hashtag cooking out uh, while black. Uh, white woman calls cops on black people cooking out in Oakland, California park. This is from uh, Thursday. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, I think that was May uh, May 10th, I think it was. Hashtag cooking out while black white woman calls cops on black people cooking out in Oakland, California Park. So then there's an update to the story from uh, that Angela Helm has on the root.com from uh, May 12th, 2018. Uh, Saturday, May 12th, 2018. Black Oakland electric slides. Black Oakland electric slides on racism by throwing big-ass cookout in park where white lady calls cops. So what happened was, right, all these African-Americans show up to have a big cookout in the very same spot where this white woman called the police on them. So here's, here's an excerpt from the article. What's the best way to deal with pervasive, persistent, and blood pressure rising racism on the daily as well as give a big, uh, big fat F you, okay, this is what she said, uh, to gentrification and the criminalization of black 
folks. I throw a cook out, of course, in a pointed response to a recent incident where a white woman thought it her civic duty to call the police on a few African-American couples using a grill in a public park. The melanated masses of Oakland, California, threw their own party at that very same site, Lake Merritt Park, okay? Lake Merritt Park. As evidenced by social media posts, the people of the yay got real Negroid during the electric slide to Before I Let Go by Frankie Beverly and Mays, eating seasoned grilled, eating seasoned grilled meats and surely munching on somebody's potato salad, sand ray, raisins, okay, without the raisins, okay? Who made the potato salad? If the potato salad has raisins in it, don't eat it. And as you can see, we kept the party going all night. I hope it goes on all summer. In fact, if, if I'm ever in Oakland, California, said Angela Helm, who wrote this article, I will be by the spot with my big piece of chicken, taking up all the space I desire, and having a ball while doing it. Okay? So you got to see this article. We, now, this got over 5,000 likes on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. I posted this article yesterday. It got over 5,000 likes, maybe 6,000 now. Black Oakland electric, sli electric slides on racism by throwing a big A cookout in park where white lady calls cops. Okay, we're going to post this on the thread of our broadcast here on the, our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, where we're broadcasting on Facebook. And then I'm going to do a separate broadcast. Uh, now, I've been doing a few broadcasts uh, a week, okay? So you follow us on Facebook, you get a notification when I go live. We'll be on uh, at midnight tonight. I'll be on midnight to try, try to, um, to deal with uh, uh, Nick Cannon's comments on slavery. We try to deal with some topics I can't get to tonight. We only have two hours, all right? So um, let me go to, let's see, where are we? Uh, all right. Okay, let's, let's continue here. Um, I want to talk briefly here about, uh, okay, the, uh, you got to hear this clip here. The original Black Panther Party, the original Black Panthers in Milwaukee have gotten involved in this case, all right? So The Root had an article uh, from today, okay, dealing with this mall, Mayfair Mall in Wisconsin. Uh, on, and on Friday afternoon, a uh, Watosa, W-A-U-W-A-T-O-S-A, not exactly sure how to pronounce it, Watosa, Wisconsin police officer, was caught on camera punching a young African-American man in the face in the parking lot of Mayfair Mall. And, and it's, it's caught on video. A bystander was standing by and, and caught it on cell phone video. And then uh, they're arresting this guy, and the uh, security guard from the mall is there as well. But this officer punches this African-American teenager in the face more than once. The police officer arrived on the scene after a report of disorderly teens and though the video shot by Tyrone Jackson only shows 45 seconds of the police's interaction with the teens, it clearly shows an officer throwing several punches to the young man's face while he was being held by a mall security guard. So he's on the, so first of all, he's standing up, gets punched in the face. Then he's on the ground and gets punched in the face as well. In an interview with WAFF, I think that's the local TV, that's the local TV station there, uh, Tyrone Jackson said he knew what the cops were doing was wrong. He said, quote, if it was just a tussling, trying to get him down, okay, that would be something different. But the punch to the face 
twice to a minor because I think he's I think um, the teenager is 17. I think he's a, he's a minor apparently. It was something serious to me. Tyrone Jackson said. Now uh, Tyrone also said he noticed the mall security was following the teens and eventually a police officer showed up. Eventually a police officer showed up. So I'm still trying to get all of the um, details of the case. Hopefully uh, the teenager has gotten an attorney. Okay. Hopefully there'll be a press conference because this is one of the things that the family attorneys do. They hold press conferences. They get out your side of the story. They look for other witnesses, things like this. This is what the family attorneys do. Uh, Tyrone Jackson said, quote, when the officer got out of the car, I said, stop and got in front of the young man. And next thing you know, he's like, let me go. Okay. All right. Now, um, Wawatosa, uh, that, you know, that's a Native American term. Uh, uh, the police chief, his name is Barry Weber, W-E-B-E-R, Barry Weber, issued this statement, quote, I can assure you that we take all situations seriously when they involve a use of force by our officers. We thoroughly review all incidents in which force is used by an officer and will do so in this incident as well, okay? Now, on Saturday, uh, yesterday, uh, Saturday, May 12, 2018, on Saturday, a, uh, the um, Milwaukee chapter of the, Black, of the original Black Panthers urged the firing of the police officers. So they went to the police station. Okay, they went to the police station and talked to the ranking officer. All right, let's go to this clip. I want you to hear what they said. Here we go. We're demanding that you all do something about them because if you don't, the community is going to speak. I can assure you of this. Uh, investigation has been started. The command staff is aware of this incident that happened at the mall. Okay. Um, they are not here today. You, you caught me off guard. It's 2.15 in the afternoon. I'm the highest ranking person in the building. Okay. They are aware of the situation, and, and you give me your demands, and I will forward it to them. Well, I'm telling you, and we'll have some real demands that we'll bring back. You know, far too often, uh, African-Americans subjected to brutality from the police department around the country. And it seems like it's getting out of control in Milwaukee County. Not only do we have an innocent man shot in brown deer, you had another young innocent man beat up at the Mayfair Mall. Now we're also asking that people stop shopping at Mayfair. Our dollars speak. We as African Americans spend over $1.2 trillion a year on goods and services. And we need to be treated with respect. And we are demanding we are demanding DA John Chisholm charge this police officer with assault, battery, whatever it is, for hitting one of our young men. And not only that, we're demanding that the Walters Police Department do some diversity training with their officers. Because there's been lots of instances where we've gotten calls where people are just harassed by your police department. Even if you're coming up here today, you saw about how many police cars? Eight, ten black and officer mayors just for the Panthers? This is intolerable. I will pass your request on to the captains and the chief. Okay, will the chief be here? Because I'd love to talk chief to will him. be here on Monday. I'd love to talk to the chief. The African American community wants to talk to the chief. We want some justice in this. We're not going to sit idly by and allow this to continue. This young man was 17 years old. 17. And he was brutally punched in his face by one of your police officers. And then while he was on the ground, he was punched again. 
with the assistance of the, the <clears throat> murder cops at Mayfair Mall. Intolerable, unacceptable. Okay. All right. So that was um, one of the members, looks like one of the leaders, uh, Regional Black Panthers of uh, Milwaukee. Okay. Check out this article here from um, theroot.com once again. Uh, white Wisconsin police officer called on camera. Uh, white Wisconsin police officer called on camera punching black teen in the face. Okay. Uh, that's from uh, Sunday, May 13th, 2018. All right. So then we have um, this article here from Atlanta Journal Constitution, AJC.com. Atlanta Journal, uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution, AJC.com, May 10th, 2018. Bernice King calls for Waffle House boycott after latest viral incident. Bernice King, uh, Reverend Bernice King, daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, calls for Waffle House boycott after latest viral incident. Three weeks after an Alabama woman had her breasts exposed in a violent scuffle and arrest at a Waffle House, calls have intensified uh, to boycott the iconic chain now that video of another incident of a North Carolina man being choked and slammed by a police officer has surfaced. So this is he's 22 years old taking his um, sister to the prom. Now, uh, 22-year-old African-American man, he, he, you know, he admitted uh, to getting into an altercation inside the Waffle House. It appears with, like, staff or something like that. But he says that that was not justification for the way he was treated by the police, and I agree. Uh, Bernice King, the youngest daughter of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., tweeted on Thursday to, quote, stay out of Waffle House until the corporate office commits, end quote, to a discussion on racism and employee training. Um, she tweeted, let's see, family, let's stay out of uh, Waffle House until the corporate office le legitimately and seriously commits to, one, discussion on racism, two, employee, employee training, and three, other plans to change and until... Uh, they start to implement changes, okay? Uh, now, uh, Bernice King is the CEO of the King Center. Uh, she posted a second tweet about the previous Alabama incident, um, the, the Alabama incident in, in the Mobile, Alabama area, uh, uh, Chakesia Clemens, uh, 25 years old, who was uh, tackled and wrestled to the ground by police, uh, concluding it with the question, quote, do Black Lives Matter, end quote. Now, uh, Gerald, Gerald Griggs, Gerald Griggs is an Atlanta attorney and activist who has been leading a series of restaurant de dem demonstrations since May 4th, said, quote, this is an epidemic of the culture around Waffle House. This is an epidemic of the culture around Waffle House, okay? And uh, on May 10th, um, Reverend Bernice King tweeted, a Waffle House employee called the police on Chakesia Clemens after she asked for the number for the corporate office, Ms. Clemens was violated by police. Her breasts were exposed. It barely garnered national attention. No, it garnered national attention. I don't know what the hell she's talking about there. No, it garnered national attention. It was on MSNBC. It went viral. It garnered national attention. It was on CNNs. I'm not sure what she's talking about there. Okay, check out this article from Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. Bernice King calls for Waffle House boycott after latest viral incident. We'll post this here right on the uh, our fan page, uh, The African History Network, The African History Network, okay? Uh, and then also, uh, NBCnews.com has a uh, has an article here dealing with the 65-year-old um, grandmother, uh, who uh, Mama, uh, Mama Campbell, who was uh, dragged from her car uh, by a white police officer. Uh, 
And uh, this is a two-minute clip. I think we have time for this. Let's go to this clip here. This is from NBC News. Let's go to this clip. Okay, it's, it's, uh, it's coming up here. Uh, okay, we'll, come, we'll go to this clip in just a minute here. Sorry. A Georgia officer resigns after dragging 65-year-old black woman from car. Dash cam footage, um, dash cam footage show uh, police officers pulling a 65-year-old grandmother out of her car after, after arresting her during a traffic stop outside of Atlanta. Outside of Atlanta. So this clip is from Friday, May 11th. Uh, this video went viral as well. You saw us uh, uh, post about it on our fan page, The African History Network. Also, everybody was outraged. The uh, the press conference that was held uh, this past week was infuriating. Also, okay, let's go to this clip. 65-year-old grandmother wailing in this dash cam video. over by police in Alpharetta, Georgia. It took six officers to take Rose Campbell into custody. I'm so hurt. The incident starts calmly, with the first officer telling Campbell that he's stopping her because she swerved onto another lane. She refuses to sign the ticket. The encounter escalates. The third officer using strong language. As backup arrives, she's pulled out of the vehicle. Then they restrain her. That third officer, James Legg, was suspended. Apparently lost his cool and his temper and acted inappropriately, both with his words and with his actions. Today, Legg resigned. In a letter he writes, I feel I acted appropriately in the way that I was trained. But he adds, maybe I should not have used profanity. There's an old saying that says, treat others like you want to be treated. That's the bottom line. Tonight, Campbell's pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct as the department promises an internal investigation. Dave Gutierrez, NBC News, Atlanta. Okay, so that's from NBC News. Check out this uh, clip. Uh, Georgia officer resigns after dragging 65-year-old black woman from car. From car. Okay, NBCnews.com. Hopefully he doesn't get hired by another police department. Hopefully he doesn't just go to another police department and get hired. Okay. All right. So look, we got to switch gears. Uh, okay, we got uh, we got one minute. Let's, let's go to John quickly. Hey, John, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. We got one minute. I got to get to this other topic about the history of Mother's yeah, Day. Okay, go ahead. I just want to thank you and uh, thank you for uh, putting that knowledge and information and, and uh, educating people about what's going on. I, I was wondering when they were going to call for a phone Man, we we tired of we tired of them some 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 them racist stuff. We tired of man. Absolutely. Our church, our church, our going to. I want to know when is it really gonna be the first car come on to us? I'm, I'm I'll be listening. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, brother. Thanks for calling, John. All right, so. Um, you know, everybody listening, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Once again, listen to the audio podcast. We have video clips there, my DVD lectures, also articles that I write. Okay, so we know that uh, today is Mother's Day, right? It's uh, Sunday, uh, May 13, 2018. But a lot of people don't understand the history of Mother's Day. So let's deal with the history of Mother's Day, and let's deal with uh, why the founder of uh, Mother's Day, while the woman, while the creator of Mother's Day became an advocate against Mother's Day, okay, shortly after it uh, became a, a national holiday in 1914. 
All right. So uh, Mother's Day is a holiday honoring motherhood that is observed in different forms throughout the world. The American incarnation of Mother's Day, the American incarnation of Mother's Day um, was created by Anna Jarvis in 1908. Anna Jarvis in 1908. She was the daughter of Anna Reeves Jarvis, the daughter of Anna Reeves Jarvis. And uh, Mother's Day became an official U.S. holiday in 1914. It was signed into law by that white supremacist president, Woodrow Wilson, who was also, who just happened to have a screening of the movie The Birth of a Nation at, at the White House, right? So Anna Jarvis would later denounce the holiday's commercialization and spent the latter part of her life trying to remove it from the calendar. While dates and celebrations vary, Mother's Day most commonly falls on the second Sunday in May and traditionally involves presenting uh, mothers with flowers, cards, and other gifts. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my mom also. I recalled her and wished her Happy Mother's Day. You know, Happy Mother's Day to uh, uh, Terry and as well, mother of my daughter also. Uh, consumers say they will, uh, and Happy Mother's Day to her mother also. Consumers say they will spend more than ever on uh, Mother's Day in 2017 as they shower mothers with everything from jewelry to special outings at favorite restaurants. According to the National Retail Federation's annual survey conducted by Proper Insights and Analytics. So last year in 2017, it was estimated that eight Americans would spend $23.6 billion on Mother's Day with 85% of consumers surveyed celebrating Mother's Day. And for this year, 2018, a total of 86% of Americans is estimated will celebrate Mother's Day and spend an average of $180 per person. Uh, this year's spending is a little bit down, estimated at $23.1 billion compared to $23.6 billion in 2017. If you go to NRF.com, National Retail Federation, NRF.com, search for Mother's Day 2018, you can read uh, this report, okay, on Mother's Day, uh, the projected spending on Mother's Day. Okay, so if we look at the origins of Mother's Day in America, uh, History.com has a really good article on this entitled Mother's Day. Now, the origins of Mother's Day as celebrated in the United States date back to the 19th century, the 1800s, in the years before the Civil War. Civil War is 1861 to 1865, okay? So Ann Reeves Jarvis, Ann Reeves Jarvis, who was the mother, uh, and she lived in West Virginia, helped start Mother's Day work clubs to teach local women how to properly uh, care for their children. Now, the clubs later became a unifying force in a region of the country still divided over the Civil War. In 1868, so this is three years after the Civil War ends, 1868 is also the same year that the 14th Amendment is passed, okay, and, uh, which gives African American citizenship. Um, in 1868, Jarvis uh, Ann Reeves Jarvis organized Mother's Friendship Day, Mother's Friendship Day, at which mothers gathered with former Union and Confederate soldiers to promote reconciliation because there was still bad blood between northern states and southern states over the Civil War. The South was devastated. They said, you got rid of all our slaves. Now who's going to do the work in the fields because we don't want to do it, right? This is why the sharecropping system was implemented, okay, <laughs> and the convict leasing system. 
Now, we also see uh, a woman named Julia Ward Howe, H-O-W-E, who was an abolitionist and suffragette. So she uh, fought for uh, women to have the right to vote, most likely white women. Now, another precursor to Mother's Day came from uh, Julia Ward Howe. In 1870, Julia Ward Howe, Julia Ward Howe wrote the Mother's Day Proclamation, the Mother's Day Proclamation, which was a call to action that asked mothers to unite in promoting world peace. In 1873, Julia Ward Howe, Julia Ward Howe campaigned for a Mother's Peace Day, a Mother's Peace Day to celebrate, um, to be celebrated every June 2nd. Other early Mother's Day uh, pioneers include Juliet, uh, Juliet Calhoun Blakely, who was a temperance activist who inspired a local Mother's Day in Albion, Michigan in the 1870s, okay? Now, if we look at Anna Jarvis, who basically creates the American incarnation of what we know as Mother's Day in 1908. Anna Jarvis is the daughter of Anne, of Anne Reeves Jarvis, okay? So the official Mother's Day holiday arose in the 1900s as a result of the efforts of Anna Jarvis, daughter of Anne Reeves Jarvis. Following her mother's uh, following following her mother's uh, 1905 death, following her mother's 1905 death, Anna Jarvis conceived of Mother's Day as a way of honoring the sacrifices mothers made for their children. After gaining financial backing from a Philadelphia department store owner named John Wanamaker in May of 1908, she organized the first official Mother's Day celebration at a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. The same day, also thousands of people attended a Mother's Day event at one of John Wanamaker's retail stores in Philadelphia. Okay, Following the success of her first Mother's Day, Anna Jarvis, who remained unmarried and childless for her whole life, resolved to see her holiday added to the national calendar. Arguing that American holidays were biased towards male achievements, she started a massive letter-writing campaign to newspapers and prominent politicians urging the adoption of a special day honoring motherhood. By 1912, many states, towns, and churches had adopted Mother's Day as an annual holiday, and Anna Jarvis had established the Mother's Day International Association to help promote her cause. Her persistence paid off in 1914 when President Woodrow Wilson signed a measure officially establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. But Anna Jarvis decried the commercialization of Mother's Day. Anna Jarvis, the creator of the modern-day Mother's Day, had originally conceived of Mother's Day as a day of personal celebration between mothers and families. Her version of the day involved wearing a white carnation as a badge and visiting one's mother or attending church services. But once Mother's Day became a national holiday, it was not long before florists, car companies, and other merchants capitalized on this popularity, and Anna Jarvis spent the rest of her life trying to get Mother's Day removed from the calendar as a official and national holiday, okay? Check out this article from History.com, Mother's Day. I got to get out of here and make way for Pastor Mo. This is our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can sign up for uh, the online classes that I teach. They're all on demand. You can donate to the African History Network there as well. Hey, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.
All right, we've got to get out of here. Hey, everybody in Detroit area coming up May 25th and May 26th is the um, uh, African Liberation Day at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, honoring our warriors and our trailblazers. Honoring our warriors and our trailblazers, trailblazers Friday, May 25th, uh, Sunday, uh, Friday, May 25th, Saturday, May 26th is a free event. We'll have information at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com about this as well. African Liberation Day, okay? Talk to y'all later. Hey, I'll be back on at midnight. I'll be back on at midnight here 